Um, so the parable of the sower. Uh, what is what is Jesus wanting to say to us through this parable? You know, how do, how does this parable actually uh, speak into our lives? Speak speak into our what's happening today for you or what's happening in this next week for you? Or what, is, what does God want to say to you through this parable? So um, my surname is, is Blennerhassett. This family, the Blennerhassetts, we go back to the 13th century England where the surname was assigned to this family that lived uh, in uh, Blennerhassett Manor. It's it's the name of the house, uh, and it means house on the hill. And and there were there were a, a large family living in England there, and one of those sons uh, went to Ireland, and then uh, Elizabeth the first granted this son, this Blennerhassett son, that went to Ireland. She granted him land. And she and a castle in County Kerry. They don't know why they were granted the castle. Maybe it was for some military service or something like that. But anyway, my my direct family line comes from from County Kerry, from this castle, and um, my great great grandparents lived in this castle. And they had 16 children. Like, so, um, I don't know if you can see that, my drawings, but there's like a Mr. and Mrs. Blennerhassett, and they're living in County Kerry in this castle, and they have 16 kids there. And I don't know what that does to someone when they have 16 kids. Um, but it happened, and, and, uh, and perhaps because of, maybe there was the famine at the time, I'm not sure why, but a lot of these 16 kids, they spread out all over the world. Um, some, some of, them, some of, these, some of these, these kids went to South Africa, and that's where my family line went. So some of these kids went to Australia, some of these kids went to America, so today, if I come across someone with the surname Blennerhassett, they will usually share the same great-great-grandparents. That's almost, you know, almost without question. And um, so why, why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing with this with you because this family tree uh, is like this picture of, of this of two people who, who have 16 children and then these 16 children go out to all the ends of the earth. They have their own families who have their own families who have their own families. And today there are thousands of Blennerhassets from, from here. And, and this, this is a picture of what God desires for our lives. That's, what, that's why I'm sharing it with you. He, he wants us to multiply. That's what God wants. He wants us to multiply. And, and um, he wants the single you 
to turn into many ewes. That's, that's, what the, that's what the parable of the sower is kind of about. You know, if, look at what happens to the fourth seed in this parable. I know, we're all very familiar with the story, but let's just think about it. Like in, in Mark 4, 8, it says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And then in Mark chapter 4, verse 20, Jesus again says, Others like seed on the good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. This fourth seed is sown into fertile soil and it grows into a little plant, then it grows into a big plant, then this plant produces grain, but this grain isn't harvested in this story. It's actually put back into the soil and then that grain produces more plants, which produces more grain, which is put back into the soil, which produces more. And so you have this story of, it's multiplication. And, and this, this fourth seed or this fourth grain is actually what Jesus desires for our life. Jesus wants us to be the fourth seed. He wants us to multiply ourselves. He wants the single you to turn into 30, 60 or 100 of you. So... How do we do that, do you think? Oh, this is not a... This is not a um, I actually want you to answer this question. <laughs> um, how, how, like, as Christians, what is Jesus talking about? How do we turn the single us into many of us? What, what is that? You know, what, what are we doing there? Who's brave enough to answer that question? Yeah? Sure, live your life... Live your Christian life out in the open. Let people see um, that you've got a relationship with God. Um, that, and uh, I have a friend like that who uh, I, I meet, I'm meeting with a friend at the moment and what he said, what he said to me um, just this week is that uh, what, what he saw about me was that I have intimacy with God. Like I have a relationship with God and and he craved it, and so and so when when I when I asked him to read the Bible with me, he said yes, because because he 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 craved what he saw I had, and I didn't do anything. I was just living my Christian life out in the open. Yeah, what else do we do to multiply ourselves? Do you think? <laughs> that's the right answer steve like steve's saying we should read the bible with someone which is great you know you know i i there's a number of people in this church who who are who are doing that or are planning to do that um where we that's we just ask someone to read the bible with us and um and we just do it like a discovery bible study with that person and um it's been it's been the best thing that i've ever done yep yeah I love, you know, when I'm thinking about um, when I'm thinking about us multiplying ourselves, you know, like us becoming 
you know, 30 or 60 or 100 of us. I actually, I love the story of, um, of Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. Do you like that story? It's so, it's so interesting. Like, um, so the way that it goes is that uh, an angel, like Philip's asleep, and an angel speaks to him, so I guess in a dream, and then and, uh, the angel says, rise, and I want you to go um, south to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. And then it says in, the st- in that story, it's a desert place. So, so an angel talks to Philip while he's sleeping and says, go in the middle of nowhere. That's what he says. And when he gets to the middle of nowhere, um, there, there's a chariot along the road. And, and uh, I guess Philip's kind of running alongside the chariot. I don't know how fast chariots go, but like, like he sees the chariot and he's, he's, he joins the chariot. So maybe he's jogging alongside the chariot and he hears the Ethiopian eunuch uh, reading from Isaiah 53. You know, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Philip just, he just asks this one question. He just says, do you know what, do you know what that's talking about? That's all. That's, that's his uh, way of multiplying. Do you know what that's talking about? And then the Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I know what that's talking about unless someone explains it to me? And then, and then the Ethiopian eunuch invites him up into the chariot. Um, so they have a, you know, they read the Bible together. And, and, uh, and then Philip explains how that's talking about Jesus, you know who gave his life as a ransom for our sins. And then, then, the, then the Ethiopian eunuch says, um, here's some water, why don't I get baptized? Both Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch go into the water, and then when they come out of the water, it seems like Philip disappears. Have you noticed that? Like he's like teleports to another place. That's how it reads, anyway. What do you, did you, <laughs> what do you think, Don? Do you think he, t- he teleports? You know, <laughs> I just saw a funny look on your face. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I I love <laughs> Philip becomes the spiritual father of the Ethiopian eunuch in, at that point, and legend has it that the Ethiopian eunuch gives birth to the church in Africa. I mean, it's a legend. Who knows if that's true or not? But it's a lovely kind of idea, isn't it? That um, Philip has multiplied himself. He's turned the one, the one has turned into two, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. But then the Ethiopian eunuch goes to Africa and, the, and he turns into many. And, 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 um, and I, th- I think that's just a beautiful story. Um, what have I got next? Let's have a look here. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. That... Um, like to multiply ourselves, I, I've got step zero up here because I had three steps, and then this morning I thought that I better say another step, and um, and so we're at step zero. So this is like ground zero or something. Uh, there's this question about like how do we multiply ourselves? We certainly live our lives out in the open. We certainly do that, but in this parable, it's it's all about speaking the word 
Like if you, if you have a look at verse 14, the seed that is sown by the farmer is the word. And in, in, and in Matthew's gospel, it says it's the word of the kingdom. So somehow when we speak the word, we multiply ourselves. Somehow that happens. Uh, you know, um, in verse 16, they hear the word, but they can't handle the trouble that comes with the word. In verse 18, they hear the word, but the word is choked. Verse 20, they hear the word and accept it. So multiplying is all about speaking words. So there's this question of um, how can we how can we speak this word? How can we speak this word? And but, but there's also this sense of it's not all up to us. It's like if you, if you think about the uh, Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch, like who was, who was in charge of what was happening there? Was it Philip? Like, or who was, who was actually designing that whole interaction? What do you think? It was, wasn't it? Because the angel, the angel spoke to him, told him where to go, and and um, and when when uh, yeah, so when when he was actually down there on the south road, um, the the Ethiopian eunuch was reading already reading from Isaiah, so it was just something that was waiting to happen. So we have this sense that even though, um, how do we multiply? We speak the word. But there's this sense that you're, you're never doing that alone. You speak the word, but God makes the word powerful in someone else's life. You speak the word, but he creates the situations where you'll speak the word in. And, and always Jesus is saying to us, don't be afraid because I am with you, because I am actually the one that's choreographing this moment. All right. Okay, so Jesus wants us to be word sharers. He, he wants us to multiply ourselves. What gets in the way? Why don't we do that, do you think? Why don't we share the word and multiply ourselves? We're, we're really afraid all the time. I'm afraid up here today because I'm afraid of what, what you're thinking of me. But we're all in that situation all the time, depending on how much of an introvert or extrovert you are. But, but all of us are, are in that space. Yeah, we're really afraid. Yep. Why else don't we, why don't, why else don't we share the word and multiply Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good. It's it's real. Like it's taking. You are the farmer. We are the farmers, and we're sowing the seed. But we don't know what happens to the seed. That's what you're saying, isn't it? And so there's a sense of, um, like. Perhaps we think that it's all up to us. And maybe that's why we're more afraid too. Because we think it's all up to us. But it's not. We're the sower. But we're not... Like Paul says, um, I planted the seed and, and, and Apollos watered the seed, but God makes it grow. So there's always this sense, it's not up to us. It's not up to us, but we are the sower. Yeah. Have a, have a look at this, um, 
at this parable in, um, is it up there? No. All right. <laughs> uh, in, verse, in, in chapter 4, verse 4, in this parable, and Jesus says, um, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. And also in verse 14 and 15, it says, the farmer, saw, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. So there's this question of why don't we, why don't we multiply? You know, what stops us? And the first thing that stops us, I think, from multiplying is Satan in, in this passage. Here the seed of God's word is sown onto a hard path. That's the image. And, and the seed doesn't enter the ground. It's destroyed by these birds that come down and gobble up the seed. And, and the bird is identified as Satan himself in verse 15. So, so what's happening is that we hear the word and then maybe it's something like Jesus takes away our sins and gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We hear that word, but Satan casts doubt on that message. He says, you might say something like, oh, you can't seriously expect that God would take away your sins. Or you might say something like, oh, the Holy Spirit isn't really real. Christians aren't different to anyone else. Or he might actually say, you're a good person. Why do you need the forgiveness of sins? But if we don't believe the word ourselves, we'll find it difficult to share it convincingly with others and therefore, we won't multiply. I forgot to do that. So, the Bible's very consistent in dealing with Satan. How do, you, how do you counter the lies that Satan throws at us? You throw back the truth. Satan might say, you can't seriously expect God to forgive your sins. Your sins are in the unforgivable category. But, but we can quote scripture back at him. We can say, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Or, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Satan's a liar. Satan twists God's words to make them say things that God never intended. The way that we counter this is to be really familiar with the word of God and speak them back at Satan. Ephesians says that the Bible is a sword that cuts Satan down. And so, of course, the flip side of this is that if we don't know the, our Bibles, when, when Satan turns up, and he's the first, you know, our, the first enemy to us multiplying, if we don't know the word and Satan turns up, then we're vulnerable. So, so I, th- I think that um, in this parable, there's a sense of if we want to multiply, if we want to um, be that seed that turns into many seeds, then we are going to need to um, arm ourselves against Satan who takes away that seed. And the way to do that is to, 
is to get into the Word, to soak into the Word. And um, to get into a pattern of reading the Bible and refle reflecting on it every day. Choose a time that suits you and block it out in your diary. Don't let anything stop you from having this time. I, I, have, I have a quiet time every morning between 7 and 8 and I'm completely inflexible to the extent that Rhonda gets really frustrated with me sometimes or every day perhaps, I don't know. But, but the secret of my success is that I've established a pattern that I rarely break, a pattern of kind of soaking in the Word. Of course, it's one thing knowing God's word and another thing putting it into practice. So, and, and this, this parable is about knowing God's word and speaking God's word, but it's very much also about living God's word and putting it in, into practice. You know, you see what Jesus says to the crowd just before he tells them this parable. I don't know if you remember when John... Uh, read that out but just before Jesus says this parable he says this to the crowd he says a crowd was sitting around him and they told him your mother and brothers are outside looking for you and Jesus said who are my mother and brothers and then he looked at those who were seated around him and said here are my mother and brothers whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And then he told them the parable of the sower, which was about speaking the word of God. If you want to multiply, you need to know God's words, but more than that, you need to, you need to live them. Maybe like what you were saying here, like live your, your Christian life out in the open. If we, in, in uh, verse 5 and 6 of chapter 4, it says that this seed, the second seed, it fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but then the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they, they had no root. And also in verse 16 and 17, it says, other seeds sown on rocky places these are the people that hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Here the seed of God's word is sown on rocky ground. It, quick, it grows quickly, but then the scorching sun rises and the plant withers. The scorching sun is identified as trouble or persecution on account of the word. So this person accepts the word that was spoken to them, and there's much joy when they first realize what Jesus has done for them. But when the going gets tough, they get going. They want the forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers, but they don't want the tribulation and persecutions that come with it. It seems if I want to multiply... I must count the cost of this. There's something, there's something about this parable that's saying this is, this is true life, that you would multiply, that the, that the one you would turn into many years. But at the same time, Jesus kind of says, but there's a cost. 
is that if you want that, there's a cost. We can live life that produces fruit, but it's going to be costly. It's going to be uncomfortable. And I don't know how you feel about um, our culture at the moment and what's going on, but I have the sense that, that our culture is starting to turn against Christianity. And, and there are things that the Bible holds up as true that our neighbours, that our family, that our friends, that our enemies, well, they don't agree with. And so there is pressure for us to conform with the world's values. And there's also consequences for not going with the world's values. And, and if, we, if, we conf- if we conform with the world, we will not multiply. To, to multiply, we've got to live our life out in the open we, we have to, um, Jesus says, be separate, you know, be, be holy, be set apart. And, 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 and he also says, and bear the consequences of that. Uh, are we courageous enough to stand up uh, for Jesus, no matter what the consequences? Are we brave enough not to be closet Christians and live our Christian lives out in the open? So... I, th- I, think that, I think the biggest cost of following Jesus today for us isn't physical harm. I think it's something like loneliness, uh, that perhaps even if your family and your friends distance themselves from you because if you hold to all the teachings of the Bible as true and you're actively trying to share the words with others, like even, even if they distance themselves, um, that God is still with you. Yeah. So, f- so, first, so the first obstacle we have to multiplying is Satan. The second is actually what other people kind of think of us. But sometimes the biggest hurdle to multiplying is actually ourselves. Sometimes the biggest hurdle to multiplying is actually me. And look, look at what happens to the third seed. It says in verse 7, it says in verse 7, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. And in verse 18 and 19, still others like seed among thorns hear the word but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the world, making it unfruitful. Yet the seed of God's word is sown into a weedy patch. The plant grows, but with it weeds, lantana, tobacco plant, thistles, and these weeds choke the plant and starve it of air. The weeds that choke the plant are identified in verse 19 as the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. What does that look like for you? What are, what, what are the things that, of the world uh, that distract you from sharing the world and multiplying? What, what, are, um, what are the things that keep you up at night? Does anyone, <laughs> does anyone want to sort of speak into that? 
What do you think are the things that um, concern us that fall into this category? Yeah, definitely. Finances, you know. Why do you think that would distract us from why, why, like God, Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money, but why, why do you think that would distract us from, from being sowers of the seed and multiplying, Don? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, this, there's these things that kind of draw us away from this calling that, that Jesus has for our lives to multiply. And the, and the Bible's remedy for that situ- situation is to simplify. It's always to simplify. It says, uh, you know, like if, if you're struggling to pay the mortgage to maybe, maybe sell the house or if, you're, or if you're living in too expensive an area, maybe move to a cheaper area or, may, or maybe... Um, you know, move out and, and rent a tiny house. So G- Jesus gives his, his first disciples this housing challenge. He says, birds of the air have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of God has no place to rest his head. So Jesus suggests a kind of camping lifestyle, like a, like a grey nomad, I guess, but instead of going to see the tourist attractions in every town, uh, we share the gospel in every town. That's the kind of... That's, and, and, and this this is always like because we've always you know had a mortgage and and um, owned our home and this has always kind of been a challenge to me like because this is, he's kind of calling us to be um, a lot more free from the kind of concerns of the world than than my own life is yeah Jesus handbook on how to multiply step three is to kind of is really to simplify, to get, to get rid of these things that are distracting us from our true calling. The first disciples left their fishing nets and, and, and their tax collector's booths to follow Jesus. They left the source of their income. Uh, what things can we get rid of to give us more time and headspace to create our spiritual family tree? So... So how to multiply? This is the parable about um, the single you becoming many yous. The seed that was sown into your life and you were born into a new person becoming many seeds and bearing, you know, and becoming many people who follow Jesus. What are the things that are holding you back on, on following this calling? You know, which, as you look at this parable of the seeds, which seed are you presently living out? You know, yeah, what does your life look like? Does it look like the first seed where Satan comes and takes away the word? Does it look like the second seed where the troubles and the persecutions that come from the outside world are making you turn away from Jesus? Does it look like the third seed where the concerns of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth is kind of drawing you away from your true calling? Jesus calls us to, to um, multiply. 
to uh, go into all the world and make disciples of men.